Hello and welcome to episode 237 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, let's get an update. What percentage are you at? I would say I am now at 79%. Okay. Is it flatlining a little bit? Yeah, it has the last few days. Yeah, yeah, it has. I've, uh, it's been my best day for the last couple of days, to be honest. So no, I'm getting there. The peptides are working. <laughs> yeah. I'm growing a really nice lush tail, but anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you what, something that you're not growing, though, is pubic hair. Exactly. And the reason I'm not growing pubic hair is because I keep shaving it off because I went to manscaped.com. And at manscaped.com, they are the world's leader in removing all of the hair from your genitals. Now, at Manscaped, we did a deal with Manscaped. And that deal means that you can get 20% off and free shipping if you put in the code NRL. So go to manscaped.com, check out all of their products. They have a whole range of products. They've got shavers, they've got scissors, they've got deodorants, they've got... Uh, underwear. They've got all sorts of stuff for a dude. And you can go there, 20% off on free shipping. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Just remember to use the code NRL when you go to checkout. And that's our that's our deal with you, our listener, because we really want you to have smooth genitals. Very well said, Freaky. All right. Um, there's been an interview today with Kevin Walters. He's talking mm-hmm. about... Um, you know, what he's going to do with the Broncos, how yeah. he's going to fix the problem they've got at the club. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I had a bit of a, a read through the article and oh man, I'm starting to get a sense of uh, one of your favorite coaches out of him. Should, should we go through it? Yeah, let's go through it. Cause we, we looked at it a little bit before and there's some stuff here that doesn't sound like it's, it's some bad signs in this interview. Hmm. So um, what I'll do, okay, it is a it is a Fox Sports article, but it does it does contain quotes, which means it wasn't written by James Hooper. Okay, that's always a good sign. Yeah, mind you, Kevin Waters is a Fox Sports employee, so it probably wasn't too hard to get quotes from him. Yeah, they well, you know, <laughs> they do pay him money for his words. That's right. So here we go. These are just Kevin Waters' quotes. Mm-hmm. One of the things I said in front of the board in the interview process is that I feel there's a total disconnect from the Broncos club to the community, their sponsors, their members, their corporate people, the fans in general, he said. That's part of my mantra, to make sure there is a connection, and also the players as well. I feel that there's a disconnect amongst them and the playing staff. It's a no-go zone for me and will be one of the first things that when we all get back together that I'll be addressing. So he's got a mantra. It's good that he's got a mantra. Um, it's interesting that he said there's a disconnect. It's almost as though he's saying that he feels like the Broncos have been living in a little bit of a bubble in 2020. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that's probably what he's he's hinting at. Yeah, I feel like that's happened at a lot of clubs this year. I'd say nearly all of them. Yeah. 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 I, I reckon you're right. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> And, you know, that's probably why there was a total disconnect. Yeah, that does happen when you're in a bubble. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's hard to connect with fans 
when the fans aren't able to go and see you play football. And yeah, when they can, they can't interact with you anyway. True. I, I find I find one of the hardest things to do when supporting your club is when you go to the game and the gate is actually locked and you're not allowed in. It it makes it difficult to connect with anyone. It it is a tough hurdle to overcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I, I like the fact he's got it in he's he's got people in the right order here too though, because he said um sponsors <laughs> before fans. Yeah. Well, we we all know that the Broncos the Broncos have struggled with sponsors this year. Oh, wait a minute! <laughs> they will never struggle with sponsors. Yeah, exactly. Never struggle with sponsors. <clears throat> um, this is all just airy fairy words at this stage. Yeah, and like I don't think the only thing that cures all of it, all of that is just words, right? Yeah. The only thing that cures a problem in a football club is winning. If you're winning games, no one cares about any of that shit. And, you know, it, you could be the most arrogant sons of bitches that don't even like the fans in the world. If you're winning footy games, the fans are going to love you. So that's how you fix it. Yeah. I do wonder, though, do you reckon the reason why Darius Boyd spent more time sitting on his ass instead of actually making tackles was because he didn't he – didn't, he just didn't feel right inside because he wasn't able to connect with um, the corporate people and the fans in general. Like he's just about to make a tackle and he's just sitting there thinking to his head, man, I wish I could just, you know, be involved in a barbecue somewhere and, you know, help people have, oh, fuck, I missed a tackle. <laughs> well, he was oh, always man, known I'm, as a man of the people. I really, miss, I really miss doing those really shitty ads on TV. For, oh, fuck, I missed another tackle. <laughs> Oh man, that that's not the problem, Kevin. Um, so Paul Kent then brought up the issue of whether there was a sense of entitlement amongst the playing group, and Kevin said it's off the charts. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of entitlement at the club, um, and he said it's that simple to fix it. We go in and we explain the rules of the club and their responsibility of a member of the Broncos Football Club. Surely if we dangle those wooden spoons in front of their eyes, that's enough. It's probably mm. not a great way to get off on the front foot to tell your players that they are losers to begin with. Um, but there does need to be some accountability and there just wasn't that this year. We saw that for the Broncos. So that's a good thing. The funny thing is the sense of entitlement thing. Like, I think that sometimes people say, like, why do footballers feel like they can get away with anything? And I'll say to them, because they can get away with anything. Like, they mm. literally have shown that time and time again. And I think that, and we've talked about this before, there are some clubs that they feel as though, the, and the Broncos showed it perfectly this year, the, the whole club from top to bottom felt a sense of entitlement to the point where when they were losing games, they were crying. And it's like, you don't, you don't deserve anything. You've got to earn it. You've got to free. And it's like, you've got to earn it against 15 other teams that are also trying to earn the exact same thing you want. So I guess it's good in one way, but it can't be then followed up with, this is how we do it at the Broncos because that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it's just, and, 
as far as dangling wooden spoons in front of their eyes, well, if it, if the prospect of winning a wooden spoon wasn't enough to make them perform better in yeah. the last few rounds, then dangling in front of their eyes at the start of next year is entirely going to achieve anything. Yeah, you've got to come up with something better than that. Yeah. Uh, he then went on to say, it's wrong to just blame Anthony Seabold for the season the Broncos have had. It's disrespectful to Anthony and disrespectful to everyone at the club. You know what? You can blame him a fair bit for it, though. His game plans were trash. The selection policy he had was to completely rejig the roster every fucking week. Mm-hmm. And getting rid of so many experienced players, like completely shuffling them out of the club entirely, who probably could have you know, maintained a spot in the 17 somewhere, mm. but hang on to the one player whose time was done a year and a half ago. And But the other thing is, too, on top of that, if you, he just had all of them young players, that is one of the best young groups of players we've seen in a long time come through at the same time. It's not like he didn't have anything left to work with. He had a brilliant set of young players to work with and he screwed it up, you know, and, and he has to, t- as you say, he has to take a big whack of that responsibility. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, everyone needs to shoulder the responsibility of what happened in the organisation this year. That will be my mantra. Oh, it's two mantras. Excellent. Well. To make sure that responsibility is taken and it doesn't happen in future years. Well, that's good. He's got two mantras. Yeah, we're up to two of them. We're up to um, he does like mantras. Did Matthew Elliott like mantras? Well, I, I can't ever remember Matthew Elliott having a thing that he would go go back to. Um, Other than tea leaves. Yeah, yeah, and wind chimes and shit. And burning catches. Bur- burning ca- candles. To yeah. water, burning sage, stuff like that. Incense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he next says, two things we've got to sort out first. Two things first. Mm -hmm. Two first. Good work, Kev. Is the playing roster, and there will be some changes there, I can assure you of that. Also, just sorting out all of our performer staff. That's going to be done, hopefully, in the next seven to ten days. So there's the playing roster and the performer staff. So there's two things first. Yeah. See, I don't understand... I don't know how he, you can take over the club at this point of the year and start thinking about how you're going to change the playing roster. Obviously, they lose David Fafita out of there. Um, they will use their juniors, but, you know, it's not like he's going to be able to buy too many players. He'd want a lot of players to be coming onto the open market. And at this point of the year, it's a that's a little bit of a weird one. Like... You know, the time to change the playing roster really is middle of next season, and that's for the following season. Well, you know what? I, I can think of one player they should go after, okay? Yeah. It's someone who's an experienced playmaker, but not not old. You know, they're not in their 30s or older. Mm-hmm. Um, has been a captain at the club they're currently at. Yeah. And quite versatile. Mm-hmm. And is a Queenslander. Oh, who? Yeah. Moses and Bye. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> He's available, Kev. Just give him a call. He's available. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, 
The roster's imbalance across the board of ages and games played, I think that's pretty glaring to everyone. Yeah, because that was such a problem for Penrith. Yeah, but it, it was pretty extreme at, at the Broncos. I, I, I think what he really means is we brought in some old guys who were done. We held in, we held on to guys who were done, and we mixed them in with dudes that some of them weren't ready for first grade, and we had no in-betweeners, which were like, you know, first graders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, here comes, the, here comes the big bit. Mm-hmm. You got asked about what style of footy they're going to play, mm. and he said they're going to play a style of football that we played during the nineties. When you think of the Broncos, you always think of their attacking flair, which is one thing we were always very strong on, and you've got to have the right players to do that. Mm-hmm. Right now, there probably needs to be some changes to the roster for that to happen across the board. Yeah, like you need around about ten current Queensland Origin players to make that happen because that's what you had in the nineties. Um, yeah. And, and an invisible salary. Sal- I was going to say an invisible salary cap. Yeah. <laughs> um, and secondly, defensively, the Broncos were known as a tough, gritty defensive team that never gave up. So they're both they they're both known as tough and def- gritty defensive, and they're both known as having attacking flair. Apparently, how many tough, gritty defensive teams also had attacking flair that you can remember? And yeah, were the Broncos one big... of them? Ah. Uh... See, I only, I'll be honest, okay, I think the Broncos were tough and gritty defensively and did have attacking flair mm. for a brief period in the 90s, not mm. for the entirety of the 90s. No. Right. So, like, if you say which teams have you seen that have both, the Canberra Raiders in 94. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it's hard to be both. It's very hard to be both. Yeah. Melbourne Storm, probably. Yeah, and like at one point... The, the Roosters last year? See, I feel like the Roosters last year were more about their defence rather than their, you know, a free-flowing, ridiculous attack. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were, they were probably a little bit of both. But the thing is, I think... I don't think you can find too many teams that were both. Like... And and if they were, they weren't on a regular basis. It's just scary to hear somebody that is coming into his first coaching job saying, I've got some ideas from the 1990s that I think are really going to change things. Yeah, they're only 30 years old, these ideas, but I'm sure they'll yeah. work. Yeah, it's a real worry. And as we were saying before the podcast, like, you know, Chris Anderson had a, a an idea that worked at the Storm in the very late 90s. And he tried to take that just a couple of years later to the Sharks. And it was a dismal failure because the game just had moved completely on from that sort of style of play, being able to work. I mean, and Walters is doing this from the 90s. Like, what's he talking about? Well, that's the thing with Anderson too. Is I mean, he, he took over a Cronulla team that was, you know, they were in that premiership window when he got there. Yeah. And he plummeted yeah. them to the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, and I always think that it's a worry when a coach comes in with an idea of I I they don't look at their personnel, they don't look at what is working currently in the NRL, and they say I want to do this thing, 
And, and I think that we saw that work with that in play with Des Hasler at the Bulldogs, where he had a, a side that was a little bit different and he thought, I'm going to make them play this way. And that was fair enough. But when it didn't work, he didn't deviate from it. And Tim Sheens is another coach that did the same thing. He had a, a team that he, he said, look, I'm going to make them play this way. And it worked. And they won a premiership with it. But then he stuck with that, even though the league had moved well beyond that. I just So I worry when a coach thinks to themselves, I want to put in this style of play. And it's, I, you know, it, it's not how coaching is. You kind of got to work with what you've got, mm-hmm. especially when your idea is to, I'm going to, I'm going to have that style of play when we had a team full of state of origin players. Like, no, dude, you, you can't bring that philosophy into a team that is not full of state of origin players. Well, look, the basis of everything that the Broncos did in the nineties come down to their uh, really good spine. Mm, mm. You know, you had Lockyer at fullback before that. You had, you know, Paul Hoff, mm-hmm. um, Julian O'Neill. Yeah. Back when they were, well, back when Julian O'Neill was not a rap bag and Paul Hoff was playing rap footy for the two years he existed. Well, <laughs> like, here's the thing. <clears throat> give me, give me Walters himself and Langer for what, 15 years? Okay. And let me build a team around that. And then, you bring in, I mean, Julian O'Neill, people forget that Julian O'Neill was, I mean, he he reminds me a little bit of what Cameron Munster is, but he was way more versatile than Cameron Munster. And then they replaced him eventually with a young Darren Lockyer. And on the wings, you had, you know, Michael Hancock and uh, Wendell Saylor. And then when Hancock retired, they replaced him with Takiri. And then oh, you just sort of happen to have a forward pack of the likes of Andrew G and, you know, Brad Thorne and, you know, you read Wayne Bennett's book and he's like, we were a little bit light up front. So we got Glenn Lazarus and, you know, you just go through all of these like top of the line stars that they had at the club at the time. And the fact of the matter is that those Broncos teams could have played about a hundred different types of attacking styles and they would have been great. The fact is that they had so many plays that had, the ability to be individually brilliant that you can't you can't say I want to play that way when it's like Langer could win a game on his own, Lockie could have won a game on his own, Renoff could have won a game on his own, and, and that's not you can't just say you're going to do that. You got to have those players. Yeah, and he just doesn't. No, uh, and that makes it really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah, and that's a real worry because they can't be playing like them Broncos teams because they haven't got the personnel, and their personnel at the Broncos right now is really specific, and that's part of their problem. Well, at they're, the moment, they're, I mean, their best players are all in the forwards. Yes, exactly, exactly. So they have to play to their strengths, and that is and, don't worry about attacking flair. Focus on being defensively strong because that was your biggest weak point during the year. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think he should be sitting there thinking about finals next year. He's got to think about making sure that defensively they are not belted like they were this year. Yeah, and I, I think one of the problems they have with their forwards is that too many of their forwards really should be props. Mm. And they need some more mobility in that forward pack. And I think that's one of the things that hurt their defense this year. 
No, I fully agree with that. Edges, the edges was horrible. Mm, yeah, yeah, really bad. Yeah, that made the Tigers' edge defense look like Fort Knox. So he also said here, the Broncos were known as a tough, gritty defensive team that never gave up. No different to the Melbourne Storm or Roosters to what they have in their systems. That was the Broncos of old, and it slowly drifted away in the last four or five years. They've increasingly gotten poor defensively, so that's part of my mantra. Oh, three mantras. We're up to three. Okay. (sighs) Mantra, mantra, mantra. Do you think the players are going to be overwhelmed by all these mantras? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just assuming that it's just going to be a wall. It's just going to be Kevy's mantra wall. He's just going to have a whole heap of fucking... You know those um, uh, motivational posters? Yeah. And each one will just have like a picture of mountains on there with Mantra 1 on it. Another one's going to have like a waterfall with Mantra 2 on it. Another one's going to have like some sand dune in the desert with another Mantra on it. Another one's going to have that weird cat not trying not to fall out of a tree or some shit. He's got more Mantras than Clive Palmer. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, yeah, it's, I, th- I think he really does need to, he really does need to take a steady approach. I'd, I'd hate to see him turn up there and think, right, we're going to get the to- the Broncos back into the, the finals and we're going to start doing it now. I think there's a big issue there. Um, he's touched on a fair few of them and I think he'd be stupid if he thinks he can get it all back up and running and ride his reign in 12 months. Yeah. I think if he wants to make long lasting change at that club, then he needs to spend next year getting that culture back to where it needs to be, getting the mindset of the players back to where it be, needs to be and getting that roster sorted out. That spine at the moment is, it's not great. No, but the, there is something to work with there. And, and the thing that I think that he needs to do is, he needs to – the first thing I would say is I, forget about the Broncos stuff. Forget about the club's history, all of that stuff. We're a bunch of dudes that play football, and we have to work our asses off to even be credible in this league because we lost our credibility last year. Um, I don't think there's any place to talk about history. I don't think there's any place to look backwards. They need to look forwards because I think that's part of the Broncos' problem is they look backwards too much. And I think that that's why they, you know, they signed Anthony Seabold, who was a young, untested coach, to a massive deal because he's going to be their new Wayne Bennett. He's going to be their new coach for the long term. And, you know, there's there's too many of those those looking back to the glory days problems. And we've seen clubs do that in the past. you just got to look at South Sydney and how long they talked about being the pride of the league while they were absolutely garbage and where that got them eventually. Um, it's it's a real bad sign when you keep looking backwards. The Bulldogs are another club that do that. Uh, the Newcastle Knights, as soon as they started saying, oh, yeah, we're, the Knights were special, they started winning wooden spoons. You can't look backwards if you're going to do good in the NRL. You've got to look forwards, and that's what Kevin Walters needs to do. I agree. I agree. Um, so he's already talking about wanting to have, um, oh, what's his name? That the bloke they signed from the um, Sharks has been injured the whole time. 
Oh, uh, Jack Bird. Jack Bird. He wants to get him more involved and probably play him at fullback. And I'd say keep him out of the spine next year. Yeah, you you can't rely on him. You can't. No. I'd, I'd, he just needs to have a season where he's fit and he gets back into the run of things. Don't put a player who's been who's missed most of the last two years immediately into the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if you've got to have a makeshift fullback for a year. Do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be better for the club and for Bird if he's just playing at centre for you know most of the season. That way he's not being overly impacted or overly used during the during the game so he can just chime in when he needs to, kind of like what Latrell Mitchell did in his last season at the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. That's how you've got to use him. And then then you can start, once he's got that confidence up and he's starting to get that reliability back into his body, then you can move him to fullback or to 5 eighth or wherever you want to put him. Um, I'd preferably, I don't think he'd, he'd be a good fullback. I think he'd be much better at six. Mm-hmm. He is a very good um he does take the line on pretty well, but I don't know that he's been tested enough under a high ball to, to say that he'd be good enough as a fullback. Yeah, and like I just – I put so much value in players that – and it's not his fault. It's just he's very unlucky. But I put so much value in players that you can rely on and that are injury prone, and I, I can't put – I can't have any plan that has Jack Bird – in a really important role that I need him to play all year because the fact is that he's most likely not going to finish out the year. Um, and it's sad, but that's why that's Kevin Walter's job. He's got to look at the overall health of the club. And I think that, you know, they need to stop looking for the next Darren Lockyer. They've just got to get a fullback in there that can do the job and not be look, not be shooting for the stars every time. Mm. And I think that's part of their problem as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why they haven't had a, a really good halfback since Alan Langer, because it's a little bit of that Parramatta thing of they're looking for the next Peter Sterling and when's he going to turn up? And, you know, it, sometimes you don't need the next Peter Sterling. Sometimes you just need the next Mitchell Moses who can just be be all right in the role. Exactly. And I think, I think that uh, Tessie Newey, who they've got there, he's only young, but he's he looks to have the mechanics of being a good football, you know, a good fullback down. He's a good footballer. Um, he just needs to play with a bit more confidence, which is hard to do when you're in a team that's getting flogged every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to see him. I suppose he just needs a lot more practice under the high ball. Yeah, his hands can sometimes, you know, let him down. I think if he gets a bit better under the high ball and stuff like that, he's going to be a, a pretty handy fullback. Um, definitely need a seven and an organising seven. Mm. Um, they do. I, I think they need to look a little bit at what the and I, you know, I know it's another Queensland team, but it's just a coincidence. They need to look at what the Titans did a little bit. You know, they brought in a dude from the Queensland Cup who's a. a he had a lot of experience in the Queensland Cup and just said to him, run the, run the team, you know, do that job, do the job we know you can do. Yeah. They they can't always be looking for the next 19-year-old superstar. It, sometimes you just got to use what you've got. Well, this is right. Um, so I don't know if they persevered Brodie Croft or not. He's there for a while. Mm. Um. Maybe they have to. But if they've got enough creative people around him, then 
you know, <laughs> Croft can Croft will get by perfectly fine. Mm. Um, and that's the other thing he's got to do too. He's got to he's got to sit down and say, right, this is going to be my spine for next year, mm-hmm. and stick to it as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. You keep chopping and changing your spine, you are not going to win games. No. And I think, look, I think Brody Croft is a pretty bloody good halfback to start with for a wooden spoon winning team. You know, they've just, as you say, they've got to set, they've got to sit down and say, this is our footy team. And we've got to work out how to get the best out of these players because that's his coach, that's his job as the coach. And from there, it's just, you know, a case of trying to improve on what he's got. And, you know, there's no there's no magic cure. They're at the bottom of the ladder. But the good thing is, the only way is up. Yeah, yeah. So long as you take the first step on the ladder, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big step, that first one. It is. But <laughs> the, the next big step, to be fair, is... Another mantra? <laughs> first of all, another mantra. But the next step is just to step over the Bulldogs, which isn't a huge step. At the moment, it is. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to put this out as a bit of a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. If the Broncos go through next season mm-hmm. and they finish 15th with the worst defense again, mm-hmm. do they stick with Kevin Malters? They, oh man, that's a really good question. I think they should. Um, I Likewise. Think, I, sometimes I think when, and I we kind of said this with the Bulldogs, like when you're so bad, you don't really get a benefit of changing coaches. And so if he, if he can just show a bit of improvement in any sense, yeah, just stick with him. Because bringing in a super coach isn't going to do a great deal for you, and I think the, I think that the Newcastle Knights showed that. Like they had, uh, they had um, Nathan Brown for a long time, and then they replaced him. And the next coach did improve the team, but it's not like he improved them to a premiership winning team. They just improved a little bit. Um, you know, the Bulldogs got rid of Dean Pay, and they improved a little bit under George Arliss. But really, Trent Barrett takes over next year, and he's got the same problem that Dan Pay had. I think what the Broncos should be looking at is probably approaching Dean Pay about being an assistant coach, because as much as he wasn't good with attack, mm-hmm. you got to admit what he managed to get defensively out of that team was pretty impressive with the roster he had. Mm-hmm. No team went out and absolutely flogged the Bulldogs. Not every yeah. week, not even every second or third week. Yeah, um, they were a pretty a pretty impressive defensive team considering the talent that they had. Yeah, and I think it's pretty clear that the Broncos have a much more talented roster than the the Bulldogs this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I think Dean Pay could probably be a good thing for the Broncos' defense if that's all he was training. Is he just getting in as a defense coach? Yeah, well, I mean, he was got to be an upgrade on what they use this year. (laughs) (laughs) So would anyone. But he was always really highly regarded as an assistant coach as well, which is is a good sign. Um, I wonder if he would be willing to go up there. But, you know, 
it's they do need changes. It's going to be interesting to see who Kevin Walters fills out his uh, coaching his coaching team with, because um, he's had some strange ideas at state of origin level, and I can't imagine that they're going to work at club level because club level is such a different beast. It is. So the Bulldogs finished second last, lost 17 of 20 games, and yet had better defense than the Broncos, the Cowboys, Manly, and the West Tigers. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, hey? Yeah. It's, um, I, look, Dean Pay. I don't think he did that badly with the team he had. And George Arliss, if you look at what he did with them and the team he had, it's kind of a minor miracle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely deserve a lot more credit. I, I, we, we neither of us were that, you know, obsessed about getting Dean Pay action in the club. We didn't think he was doing that bad a job considering what he had. Mm. Um, and, and look, I think if say they had got in Craig Bellamy on a two million dollar deal, it's just two million dollars wasted because Craig Bellamy he even would need a couple of years to get this team anywhere. They yeah. like the team that is going to be winner for the Bulldogs, it might have one or two of their current players in it. Yeah, that's right. That uh oh, you know Trent Barrett will come in and he'll fix them up. They'll be in the finals next year, don't you worry. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one. It's a real weird one. Once once the, the Bulldogs sort out who their board is given they've just let three of them all resign. How about the fact that the next board comes in, the coach is now already in place. <laughs> that's that's a tough one. And and it's next board, And for the next board, that's a tough position to be in. It'd be hard to hire a new board. We, <coughs> yeah, I mean. But I'll tell you what, Bulldogs, if you need someone who's been in charge of a club before, a club that's never finished last, give old Justin Potato a call. He's, I'm <laughs> sure he'll be available. And We're not taking all of the West Tigers' problems. Shh, shh, shh. Talking here, I'm dealing. Let's talk it into existence like uh, The Secret. <laughs> the thing with Potato, he's never won a wooden spoon. That's true. His teams have never even finished second or third last. So, see, he's an upgrade. He's always you know in, what? They're always in the eight, the bottom eight, but still. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, you can hire him. And he would just say that he was sacked by the club, by the West Tigers. <laughs> he was never lured away. He never left on his own volition. He'll just say that the West Tigers sacked him, mm. even though he didn't. Because, you know, that's just what he does. Yeah. He, he's, his memory's hazy like that. Yeah, damn, fucking details. Who cares? Details? Yeah. <laughs> Football club CEO. He doesn't need to worry about details. Yeah, yeah. We'll just sign a player to a a long career after the end of the football and pain as the part of the side. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Damn it. We're just going to pay him part of his contract after he's retired. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, no, you can't. And you're fined. And you're suspended. Yeah. But hey, he's probably, he didn't cheat. That's true. He's not a cheat. He was too stupid because he didn't, he got caught before he did the cheating. <laughs> 
it's it's almost honesty. Yeah, it's, it's stu- admirable it's, in a way. Yeah, huh? It's it's stupid honesty is what it is. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. <laughs> See, he's better than that uh, that one you had before who went off to uh, destroy rugby union. Oh well, anyone was. Yeah, like I think I think that. Uh, if the rugby union players, the Australian rugby union players, were getting free pizzas, I wouldn't even be angry at that deal at this point. <laughs> even if they were dominoes? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. What if they were pizzas that had tuna and corn on them? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a hard one. I still got to do that, don't I? I got to I got to make a tuna and corn pizza. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were going to get Nadine onto it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think I can do it myself, though. I'm pretty sure I can do it myself. I mean, it's not difficult. Tin of well, tuna, you know. Yeah, you need to get one of those, um, like the, the Woolies frozen pizza that doesn't have much topping on it. Yeah, the, the just the pizza bases, yeah. Oh, you can get like the cheese and bacon one. They used to put like six little pieces of bacon on there and seven, uh-huh. 17 little pieces of ch- grated cheese. <laughs> yeah. Like nicely decorated around it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just plonk a 400... Get tin of tuna on there and half a bag of corn. And then, do you have a cat? No. Does your neighbour have a cat? Uh, I don't think so. Is there a cat somewhere on the street? I'm sure I could find some pussy somewhere. <laughs> Go get a cat. Yeah. And uh, just squeeze it over top of the pizza. <laughs> and whatever comes out of either hole, just pop that on top as well. Oh, that'd look the same as that Super League pizza. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Then bung, bung it in the oven. Yeah. Whip that bad boy out and uh, make sure you get the Rona before you eat it. <laughs> That's a lot. It's probably the only thing I haven't got at the moment. <laughs> but I can tell you I shan't be trying that. But I will put together the Super League pizza, the Super League special, we'll call it. The Super League special. The Super League Supreme. <laughs> oh, man, that is going to be horrible. It really is. I'm what sort of thought to that? What if I put it together though, and it's actually delicious? That would be weird. Guaranteed, it won't be. I I can guarantee it too, but it would be kind of strange if it was like I'm eating it. And I'm like, for some reason, this really works. Yeah, I, I. That would be funny, but you know what? I I can't see it happening. Nah, nah, same here. Um, what sauce are you going to put on the base? You just going to go with tomato, or are you going to put like? Tuna Mornay on there, or no? Nah, I think it, it looked like tomato base, which oh. was the weird part about it. <laughs> and it looked dry as well. So I feel like what I'd have to do is like, <clears throat> and this shows how good I am at, at cooking. I'd, I'd get the base right, mm. put the tuna on it, and a few because there wasn't that much corn on it, which was kind of weird. It was a just a handful. Of, yeah, yeah, but few bits of corn on it, and then kind of cook it slow and low so it dries it out a bit. Yeah. Or you can cook it as per normal, then put it in the fridge. <laughs> Dry it out and, that way. And then warm it in the microwave and then eat it. Yeah. <laughs> it really looked like that, hey? It really yeah. did. Oh, man. But it's a revolutionary marketing idea by the people running Super League. So... Um, you know. make, make sure you remember the method that you use to make this pizza. Because if this shit fucking works, <laughs> takes off, you need to <laughs> you need to patent the design. We could 
Well, can you imagine Fluffy Hoodie Studios Pizza? <laughs> oh, what other bloody weird concepts could we come up with? Um, <laughs> what's we'll something else that doesn't belong on pizza? Oh no, let's have a uh, a banana pizza. Yeah, like slices of banana with beans, and, and then egg. But <laughs> you know the sh- long bits of shaved eggplant on it as well. <laughs> That would be a slimy mess. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of, of weird combinations like beans and beans and uh, banana. <laughs> what about beans? Uh, you could have a beans and bangers pizza, very English, <laughs> with gravy as the sauce. Yeah, <laughs> gravy sauce. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so good. Oh, this is this is going places. Yeah, we need, yeah. We need to get pizza recipes from people. <laughs> weird. Shit that doesn't work together. They can't be ridiculously weird, but they've got to be weird enough. Yeah, like um, Baron Mundy and snow peas. Yeah, yeah. Just, like just you could get... you could eat it, but you're probably not going to enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. And you get the Baron Mundy, you, you cut up the 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 fillets into like. Like, you know, like those chicken fingers things. Yeah. Cut them up into those and just lay a few slabs of those down around it. And just chuck some snow peas on there. What about something like, what about something like uh, capsicum and potato jams? Oh, that that would almost be worthwhile. Yeah. Need something a bit bit average on there. What else can you chuck on there? And then sea salt. Nah, that'd go with the potato jams. Um, hmm. I've I've eaten food and I can't remember Actually, what it was. Eat. I was mm. going to say we could we could go with what you had there, but instead yeah. of having tomato for the base, have anchovit. Yes. Now you were telling me about this stuff. I feel like I'd actually like anchovit. Hey. Mm. Now you you're not confident on that, but I like anchovies on pizza. Yeah, anchovits. <laughs> no, it it's I don't know. For some reason, I think it could be there could be bits of mashed up feet in it. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's no. Yeah, that's mm. that sounds pretty rough. <laughs> there there are some things that like they feel like they're a hangover from World War Two that people had to eat just to get yes. some of the proteins yes. and stuff yes. into them. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's actually brought me to another topping for pizza. All right. Carrots and spam. <laughs> what about corned beef on a pizza? Ooh. What could you have with corned beef pizza? Like uh, corned beef and mango. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> apple. <laughs> corned beef and mango. <laughs> With mango squares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just with barbecue, yeah, barbecue ranch sauce. Yeah. Oh, there it's you go. Because it's got to be special. Everything's like, nothing's ever just barbecue sauce anymore. It's just, they call it smoky and stuff. And it's like, this is just fucking sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Sugar sauce. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so, a weird thing. Sometimes you have it and it's like, this this is sugary as fuck. Yeah, I've eaten chocolate with less sugar than this stuff. <laughs> well, the weird thing about chocolate is sometimes you have chocolate and it's like, oh, man, this is just salt. <laughs> what chocolate are you eating? I've, uh, they, like, I try and... I try different sorts of chocolate. Like I like to try weird sort of chocolate types. And there's sometimes I've like thought, Oh, this sounds like it'll be interesting. And it's like, man, this is just fucking super salty. This is yuck. Salty chocolate. You know, that my favorite chocolate probably is uh rum and raisin. It's pretty hard to beat rum and raisin for me. The old gold rum and raisin. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. That's, 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 oh. I, I like chocolate with mint in it. Yeah, I like mint chocolate too. That's good. That, that's always a winner. Yeah. How do we turn into a food podcast all of a sudden? I don't know. Like? Um, well, it just so happens. We've got Gordon Ramsay on as a guest next week. Yeah, he's, he's going He's going to talk about um, his time supporting the London Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's worked there as an assistant coach. We just I get turned that. up and he put... put Pieces of bread to every player's ears and say, "What are you?" And they say, "An idiot sandwich." An idiot sandwich. You just do that with all of them. <laughs> I'd like to get that um, that Manu from my my kitchen rules. I think it is, and uh, get him on the podcast and say, "Hey, hey, Manu, why do you keep pretending you've got a French accent, dude? You've been in Australia for thirty years. Come on now." Because <laughs> that's how you get the extra dollars. Yeah. That's yeah. how you get the Michelin stars. You have a French accent. Exactly. Yeah, Aussies don't get Michelin stars. I wonder if an Australian ever has got a Michelin star. I feel like we'd know about it, hey? Uh, actually, I think there might have been one person who has. Was that play? Hang let's miss, let's I believe it was Mrs. Mack. Michelin stars, Australia. Let's yeah. see. Type in Mrs. Mac Michelin star. Oh, Mrs. Mac. <laughs> fuck is Mrs. Mac? I feel like you you screw me over here. <laughs> Mrs. Mac. <laughs> company. She, she makes cool. It's a pie company. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, fuck. <laughs> Michelin star star winning Australian chefs. Mrs. Mac's pies, mate. They're the only pies that are tougher to eat than the pie warmer they sit in. Okay, so we've got some. Five Australian Michelin star chefs. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> let's have a look through here if this website will let me. Uh, what so, were their names? Okay, so I think Curtis Stone has. Stoney. A guy called Shane Osborne. Shano. Um... Tetsuya, I'd forgotten about Tetsuya. I'd love to eat at his place. Don't know. Uh, him. Uh, yeah, a, a guy called Dave Thompson. I don't know about him. Dave O Tomo, Tomo, yeah, good old Tomo. A lot of these they they were cooking overseas actually. Uh, Sam Aisbert, Sammy, yeah, old Sammy boy. I think that's it. Ah, uh, oh, that's it. At this point, there was no Johnos in there. It would have been pretty good if there was John O. And Mrs. Mac wasn't there. Well, that's just that's just sexist. That really is. Yeah. 
Remember when you used to be able to go out to eat? That was nice, wasn't it? What are you talking about? Like when you could go to a restaurant. What's a restaurant? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Melbourne. Don't they have the most wonderful food in the world in Melbourne? (sighs) Yeah. I didn't have a good day in Melbourne today. (laughs) Yeah, I saw. I saw on Twitter. Anybody that's wondering what Andrew and it's through, go to his Twitter. Andrew, it's at Andrew RLP. I'm, and, I'm happy uh, to di- to divulge in here. Yeah, go. Why not? All right. We, we, by the way, we had a good run as a rugby league podcast, hey? Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got 25 minutes of rugby league content. And, you know, just, let's be honest, this part of the podcast, would um, it's been heavily inspired by the starting block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, drop the cat at the end. They're good. So, yeah, it started out when I got to the train station and for no reason whatsoever, I've been appointed to go to the other end of the car park because the train line's down and we've got buses replacing trains. And I'm at the end of one train line. I'm going to go all the way into the city. Mm-hmm. So I'm automatically thinking, oh, fuck, how long is this going to take? Mm-hmm. So we stand out in the cold for 15 minutes before the bus arrives. We get on the bus and it's taken 26 minutes to do the first four stops. And I'm thinking, ain't no chance I'm getting to work within the next two hours, let alone within the next, you know, an hour. So I send my manager a text message saying, yeah, look, I don't know what time I'm going to get there. I'm thinking about trying to get a taxi from somewhere. And all of a sudden, after the fourth stop, it just expresses all the way to the station where I usually get off at. And I get there five minutes later than usual. And I'm able to get my connecting train perfectly fine. I'm like, oh, that's worked out all right. So I'm thinking I'm going to get home all right. So in the afternoon, get to the train station, go down, got to wait for the bus. It's raining. They've got to stand out in this open paddock. It's a very small cordoned off area. There's no cover. It's Melbourne, so it's fucking cold and wet. Mm-hmm. And the bus doesn't come for nearly 20 minutes. And then one turns up and we're all pushed on there. I get on and I see that there's already... One person sitting in each of the seats up the back. You know, we're talking coronavirus here, so, you know, you don't sit too close to people where you can help it. Yep. So I think, I'll just grab the first seat I can. And I look behind me, and there's literally 20 more people piling on, and there's more outside waiting to get on. I go, you know what? I'm not going to sit down. I'm just going to sit in this little area by the door in the side of the bus. Because mm-hmm. there's a glass screen in front of me, one behind me. I've got the, the wall on one side. So if I just face the door, I'm not facing any of the uh, filthy ver- COVID-infested vermin that are on the bus with me. Yeah. So I won't get the Rona. That's my thinking anyway. So I'm sitting on there, and the, the bus takes off with all this crammed-on people on there, mm-hmm. and it's, it gets onto the freeway. Okay? So we're doing 100 k's an hour, and the fucking door starts flapping open. And it's flapping yeah. open like five, four or five inches wide at a time. And I'm standing there right in front. Of, like if this thing goes all open, I'm going to get <laughs> I'm going to get taken out the fucking door. <laughs> so I put my foot on the bottom of it to stop it from flapping open. Mm-hmm. I think the fuck is this bullshit? Mm. And then we get to our first stop, which is 25 minutes later, mm-hmm. and four people get off. I think, oh, that's good. Six people then get on. Like, fuck, they've just made it worse. Mm. And then they hold us up because the two other people want to get on the bus. So they're now holding us up to put two more people on there and cram them in as well. 
and this one on the next stop as well. We managed to go along the journey further and further, further, picking up more passengers than what we let off. Mm-hmm. And the door is still flapping away, and I put my foot there to make sure it's not moving anymore. And then finally get off and look back at it and go, thank God that's over. Oh, fuck, I've got to do this tomorrow. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. Oh, man. So Melbourne can suck off that one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, did you see that thing where it said, uh, I don't know if there was news down there about the coolest places in the world. And in the top 10, Marrickville in Sydney, <laughs> they were like eighth or something weird. Really? Yeah, yeah. They were saying it was cool because it had like, uh, they said it was a mix of different shops and ethnicities and all this sort of stuff. And it's funny because I actually uh, was in Marrickville for a few days. It was a couple of years ago. And I wouldn't have called it cool. I would have called it really busy and just um, just somewhere I wouldn't want to go again. Yeah, I I did a little bit of work at Marrickville quite a while ago. Yeah. And I found it to be dull, dreary, and like pretty much every other inner city suburb of Sydney. Yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. They just all blend in together. Yeah, there's and like that one main street and it's super busy and there's it's just a mix of weird-ass-looking shop fronts. Um, so I've got to ask, if, if Marrickville's eighth, yeah. where did Tamworth rank? <laughs> I think it's a problem when you close at 5.30 in the afternoon. It, it can't be cool when you closed at 5.30. Hang on, hang on. That, that's just a country thing. That's not a Tamworth thing. Yeah. Hey, you, know, you, you know why they shut at 5.30 in the afternoon. Because they hate themselves? No, because everyone's at the pub at 5.30. Well, I tell you what, like... So the pub going, opens at 5. I'm not going into another Tamworth rant. <laughs> I'll argue, okay, that I don't think any suburb of any capital city is cool. But yeah, I mean, I challenge you to, to name a single suburb of, that's not boring. Um... What about... Probably not. <laughs> well, I was never bored in Mount Druitt. Tregear was always exciting. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, was, that, was that because, of, um, you know, great things I had there, or was that just because of the crime? Well, how dare you, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> We had a ride on lawnmower that was chained to the house that was stolen one day, hey? The house or the mower? No, the mower. I think I've said this on the podcast. Okay, so what we had, we had ropes. We had Ropes Creek, so we had water. So it was waterfront in some places. Um, We backed onto the ammunition factory. That was exciting. Um, What else? We had two underpasses. That was pretty cool. Um, had, had an interesting laneway. Took you to different parts of the suburb. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I've seen laneways in Melbourne. They're not that fucking interesting. 
I oh, know these weren't them sort of laneways. How weird are the laneways in Melbourne where they, it's like some laneway and they pretend that it's like all upmarket and stuff. And it's like you've just put table and chairs in it. Settle down. Someone's going to put graffiti on the wall and talk about it being street art. You know, yeah. fucking art. No, not at all. Um, so, yeah. It's graffiti. Graffiti, yeah. Street art. What's the best piece of of corporate art you've ever seen? You know when you the, you see all of these councils and stuff and they buy pieces of art? Uh-huh. Have, you ever, have you ever seen one that's been like, oh, that's pretty cool? No. Yeah, neither have I. No. Speaking of art, actually, I saw some bloke at the uh, train station near where I work the other day. Yeah. And he had one of those big telescopic lenses on his camera. Yeah. And he's at the train station. And I kid you not, he's taking a photo of an abandoned shopping trolley. Oh, really? Placed up against the wall outside yeah. the train station. Yeah. I'm looking at him going, I don't know what you're trying to capture there, man. But that's not art. No. It's like that video of the floating plastic bag. Yeah. It's like, just can we just chill out with this sort of thing? <laughs> just because you're trying to tell me it's art. I don't know. It's a hard sell. I know art's subjective. Yeah. But go fuck yourself at some point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Not everything's subjective. There's a, there's got to be a line. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. At some point, it's like you're taking the piss. Yeah. But if you can, if you can, like, dupe a local council into paying ten grand for some bullshit that you've thrown together with a, a fucking angle grinder, good luck to you. Sounds like sounds like Wagga City Council. Yeah. <laughs> and you should check out some of the shit they've got in Wagga. Yeah. Got these things like, like. Bent poles sticking out of the ground. Yeah, they just look like they look like the last remaining hairs on top of a bald man's head, <laughs> and they're just in the middle of a roundabout. Yeah, uh, what the fuck? Why would you put them in the roundabout? You know, the, the, I tell you one thing that I do find interesting. There's uh, when you're coming off the M7 and you're going and it turns into the Hume Highway going south. Um, there's this big pyramid-looking bit of, um, like, it's it's like this uh, hill, and it's shaped like a pyramid. Now, I don't know if they built it that way or if it was a bit pyramidish and they just, you know, angled it off or something. But not, if you drove past it, you'd be like, oh, that kind of looks like a pyramid. Well, they've actually topped it off with a pyramid on the top of it. I like that sort of stuff, where it's like, hey, this thing looks like a pyramid. Let's top it off and just finish it. So... Uh- it's two pyramids. No, no. It's like, you know how pyramids had a cap on the top of them? Oh, okay, I get you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like the cap. So I, I like that sort of thing. Right. You can keep the rest of it. Yeah. See, the thing is, I'm, I don't mind a bit of abstract art. Yeah. But sticks out of the ground or a shopping trolley at the train station, <laughs> that's not abstract. It's not art. It's just... It's just it's just shit. I like a good water feature. Well, water features are good. Yeah, yeah, they're fantastic. I like that water feature that's at uh, Darling Harbour. I remember oh, when I first saw it when I was a kid and walked on it, and I, I, I was at Darling Harbour a couple of years ago, did the same thing, walked on it. Oh, I like yeah. the one at Northies. 
it wants to <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I got it. I'm there. <laughs> that, the fountain. The fountain. Yeah. Yeah. It's only in the men's room. Yeah, the old bubbler. Well, I guess we should wrap this one up. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon so. We, we've done our job here for the people. I think we, that uh, we did talk about rugby league for a little bit. We have. We, we serve mm. the masses to some extent. We did say, you know, back when we were younger and a lot more uh, enthusiastic about the podcast direction at the start of the day, that we we're going to talk about the finals coming up this weekend. But um, we decided to talk about tuna and pizza instead. Yeah. Well, I feel like these. it's weird. This finals weekend, it's like... The, the Roosters, oh, sorry, the uh, Rabbitohs versus Eels game is a bit interesting, but I feel like the Rabbitohs are going to win that pretty easy. And the Roosters versus Raiders game, I don't know what it is about that one. I just feel nothing for that game, hey? Yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in either of those games, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what's, yeah, I don't know. The Roosters are a tricky one at the moment. Yeah, they've had two losses now in a row, and you just sort of you're wondering if the steam's gone out of them. Yeah, and at the Raiders, I mean, I haven't raided them all year. They're they're here now though, so they've done a, a fair job. But I don't know. I feel like the Roosters are going to sort of beat the Raiders this weekend, and then go on against the Storm and get absolutely hammered. That's how I feel it's going to play out. I guess it's because I think for for most people, yeah. This week is pointless. Because I think a lot of people see it now that the teams that have got the week off this week are the teams playing in the grand final. Mm-hmm. And so this week's just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of Eels fans, they're a bit worried about this week. Obviously, Rabbitohs fans, you know, they're, they're a bit all over the place at the moment with a lot of stuff that's surrounding the club. I haven't heard much from Raiders fans. And I haven't heard much from Roosters fans either. It's been a bit of a weird one. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from Tigers fans either. But then again, I never do at this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody was uh, having a go at Tigers fans on Twitter earlier this week, but I can't remember what it was about. They were Apparently there were some Tigers uh, fans that were upset about something, which is, you know, a big change. <laughs> Uh, was it a Parramatta fan upset about Tigers fans being upset about Parramatta? Uh, that, that, I, I just can't remember. I can't that, that's remember. Just, that's that's a common one. The, the Tigers fans are always upset about Madison. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they get so bent out of shape. Over. Yeah, he was only there for one year. Yeah. And he cracked the fucking sounds because he didn't like training hard and left. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah see ya. <laughs> see yeah. ya. I got no... I got no I don't want a bloody lazy trainer at the club. I don't care how fucking good he might be. I agree. I agree. You want players with passion. Yeah, rip in, mate. Rip in. Yeah. That sort of shit. Give me 17 Clint Gutherson's and I will win you the New South Wales Cup. <laughs> you sure about that? No, not at all. But I tell you what, Clint Gutherson has to have the game of his life this weekend against Souths. Yeah. And they're going to pepper him. Yeah. And he has to make some line breaks. Yeah, especially now that they don't have any wingers. Yeah, you know, there's no Ferguson and no Sevo there. I think they're going to try and force Ferguson to play. Yeah, I just can't imagine he's going to, though, hey? Yeah. 
I mean, I'll, still with Dyson, they're probably going to run him out anyway. But then you, if you run him out, that means you've got to carry it back on the bench just in case he, he fails to finish the game. Well, they, I guess they can have Takarangi on the bench because he can. I mean, at a stretch, he could probably play in the back row if you needed him to. And he's very versatile as an outside back, but. I don't know. I feel as though I'd want to go into this game with fully fit team. I wouldn't. How many times have we seen a team run out a player like Ferguson who looked gone? They <coughs> they run him out the next week, and he's gone in the first five minutes. Yeah, and you just don't want that. You you can't have that. Not this time of year. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. That's my. Mm-hmm. That's my washing machine in the background telling me it's time to wrap this sucker up. Yeah, it's about to back up over here. So let's yeah. wrap it up then. Let's wrap it up. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you go to manscaped.com. Um, buy anything you like there. It doesn't matter what it is. When you get to the checkout, type in the code NRL. That's our gift to you. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. You're welcome. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at FergoFreakPod. We're on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Um Make sure you go to your podcast um, provider thingy. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Make sure it's a good one. We'll read it out on the podcast. We'll pop it up on the website, which is uh, fergoonthefreak.com. Mm, you can, yeah. uh, they can leave us a comment there too, Freaky. Yeah, they can. Yeah, you can go there. Go to the contact us section. You can send us uh, messages and emails and stuff, and we'll read that, them out in the podcast. There you go. What more could you want? Exactly. We're here for you people. Yeah. All right, washing machine, settle down. Needy thing. Um, Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we will catch you next time.